This is Cece, and this is Claire, and this is our headline news edition. So, we have already talked about how we've changed it, so basically we just have all our news stories in this episode. So, our first under-the-radar news story is that Connecticut police chief tampered with his promotion and is now charged. Armando Perez, police chief of Bridgeport, Connecticut, resigned on Thursday, September 10th after being charged with cheating his way into his former position. The Justice Department stated in a press release that the department's personnel director, David Dunn, helped Perez manipulate his way to the top. Both Dunn and Perez were caught lying to investigators. Bridgepoint has pretty strict qualifications for the police chief title, and one of its requirements is to have candidates take an exam. The mayor then chooses their chief from the top three scores. Dunn provided the questions to Perez before the actual examination and had the consultant alter the questions so that it would be easier for Perez to complete. Perez then allegedly had two other lower-ranking officers take the essay portion of the test for him. I cannot believe that police chiefs have to write an essay. Me neither. (laughs) Dunn also waived the qualifications on behalf of Perez so that he could rise to police chief without any issues. After Perez weaseled his way to the top three scores, Mayor Joe Gainham, who also happened to be his friend, picked Perez for the position. Both Perez and Dunn are charged with one count of wire fraud and one count of conspiracy to commit wire fraud. Additionally, Perez is charged with two counts of false statements to federal investigators, and Dunn is charged with one count of false statements to federal investigators. I feel like this is similar to the scandal with the college admissions thing. Remember, like how like families or like well off, really well off families paid people to take SAT and ACT tests for their children or something. And you need an ID to do that. Like, when you go take the SAT, you have to print out a thing, exactly. right? Exactly. Like, Unless, like, how. there's people working inside, like, oh, the test administrator at a school. I guess oh. that's different. Also, when I first heard this story, I was thinking, when we were comparing it to college admissions, do you think there's, like, Princeton Review prep books for the essay <laughs> portion of the um, test? That'd be crazy. That'd be kind of weird, but, like, whatever. I don't even know. I mean, but other officers and staff must have known about this, right? They paid off, like, everyone, I feel like. Yeah, they paid off two (laughs) officers to take the exam. Like, how do you keep such a big thing a secret from literally everyone? So that's probably how they covered this up. I'm not even that surprised anymore, because there's, like, corruption of law enforcement everywhere at this point, especially Chicago. And at the local government. The name Perez reminds me of, um, <laughs> in our city, well, yeah, in our city, there was a, um, a Taekwondo instructor. I used to go there yeah. to his dojo, I don't even know what it called, the center, the, the train. And yeah. he was a, um, a city official. City council member. City yeah. council member. And there oh. were issues of corruption corruption or something like that and also him not treating citizens correctly during meetings like he called them stupid and stuff like that i remember in a push my one of my classmates and i watched some of the meetings with per with the guy in it <laughs> so that was interesting that's crazy how far people will go to exactly i mean this guy knew the mayor the like police chief assistant yeah and the exec the director too yeah Just everyone they're like oh there you go. Here's you your have title. money and connections. Wow. 
So you can basically cheat your way through everything, I feel like. Yeah. Okay, so our next story is from the UC system, University of California. This is a very um, personal story to us. (laughs) Not really personal, but it has a lot, it affects a lot of our own actions, actually. Yeah, and like people our age. Yeah, so a judge recently ruled that UC system must drop the use of SAT and ACT, so standardized tests, for scholarships and admissions. That's actually a really big thing. Alameda County Superior Court Judge Brad Seligman ruled that the standardized testing requirement for UC universities must be dropped, asserting that the test scores are biased and detrimental, um, especially towards disabled students during the COVID-19 pandemic. Furthermore, Seligman attested to the fact that there is very little data showing that these test scores are valid and reliable indicators of applicants' future performance in college. That is what they keep telling us, but, but they still... Like, oh, your standardized test scores matter, and you have to get a high score, and we're like, no. But they're also so... like, oh, don't worry, tests do not determine your future. It's all very contradictory, I, I don't even I don't even know what to say for that anymore. Um, so, a uh, Los Angeles attorney who helped file the law case, a uh, l- lawsuit, Mark Rosenbaum, Um, stated that although they were only able to file against the UC system, the reasoning for the lawsuit should apply to all colleges across the United States. He also stated that if universities do not follow, his team will come after them as well. That sounds like a threat to me. This reminds me of the, like, the, um, affirmative uh, affirmative action lawsuit. Oh, yeah, that was, like, two years ago. Two years ago, yeah. So, in a statement on Tuesday, the UC system said that it respectfully disagrees with the court decision, saying that the lack of test scores will hinder their judgment when enrolling applicants. Just sounds like a lot of BS to me. <laughs> yes, because they recently went test optional, right? And they were like, oh, you don't have to turn in your test scores if you don't want to, right? It won't hurt you if you do. And we were like, oh, okay, how nice, but, you know, who sure, knows, whatever, right? Yeah. And then now they're coming here saying, oh, the lack of test scores, we can't, it'll hurt us. We can't help, like, determine whether we want you if we don't have your test scores. That completely contradicts. Didn't they also say that they were going, or like, I remember reading about how they said they were going to get rid of the SAT and ACT completely and come up with a new standardized testing just for the UC system. Yes, another, I remember people were like, oh, good for the UCs, good for the UCs. Then they completely ignored the fact that the UCs want to come up with their own standardized test. I don't understand. What are they trying to get at here? Money? I don't know. (laughs) Obviously. So SAT officials also disagreed, not surprising, saying that their test is not discriminatory and is a useful tool to assess applicants from various backgrounds. ACT officials also stated that they have offered accommodations to those with disabilities and have tried their best to make their tests accessible to all. The lawsuit was filed by a handful of high school students and nonprofits, including Community Coalition, Dolores Huerta Foundation, College Seekers, Chinese for Affirmative Action, College Access, and uh, Little Manila Rising. One of the main issues at hand is, 
obviously the lack of accessibility, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, especially for disabled students, test versions with Braille and large type are mainly available at high school testing centers, but as we have all experienced, test center, half of test centers have closed, and students have also been unable to acquire the documentation that officially acknowledges their disabilities since they cannot get evaluated in person. So what are they saying that they have made it accessible for all? I don't understand. There's like evidence here saying, oh yeah, you guys are not doing your job correctly. But they're like, oh, we respectfully disagree. We have to, we have to use that phrase <laughs> when we're in a respectful discussion in class. I respectfully we disagree with your opinion. <laughs> So, obviously, our thoughts on SAT and standardized testing in general. I just want to say that our thoughts are valid because we're high school, high school seniors, seniors and university applicants for the, what, fall UCs. of 2021. Yeah. And we, uh, we're both applying to UCs. So, yes, our thoughts are valid. Mm-hmm. We're extremely privileged to be able to even take the SAT since, I mean, for me, my SAT t- test center did not get canceled. Um, even though a lot of other people's um, centers close. And even to take the SAT, I feel like there's just so many layers of inaccessibility, Mm -hmm. Um, whether it be the test, uh, like the test format, the test content, and the test, um, I guess, context, right? Where you take it, how you take it, and what even is on it, and what it best represents. And also how much it costs to, like, Actually, that take too. the test and to prepare for that too. It's pro. I feel like it's skewed towards like wealthier families because they can afford tutors for standardized testing, like, and that pretty much boosts the kids' scores like quite a lot. So if you can't, then I don't even know what the point is. I mean, if you're like hella smart, then go for it. But it's yeah. just much more difficult. And also. Spending so much time studying for a test that might be canceled. Yes, Claire. I don't even know where to begin with this. Dude, oh my god, our tests have been canceled how many times? I think one, once for me. Two, for me, one, two, three, three. Wow, three times. March. I signed up. So originally, I signed up for March, right? That yeah. got canceled. Oh yeah, same. I signed up for May again. That got canceled. June, they canceled that. So I got transfer credit to August. Luckily, my um, August test did not get canceled, but I know many people. Oh yeah, August test got canceled. like at our school. People taking it at our school, like they obviously got canceled, mm-hmm. and I think people's tests for September for this month also got canceled as well at our high school. So what is the point? I don't even know how much weight it actually has in applications anymore because people obviously can't go out, can't take the test at all. So. Why? Why? And I'm done studying for something that might not even happen. Yeah, I mean, it's a matter of time, right? If I could spend my time doing other, like, putting my energy in other things rather than studying for a test, um, which I don't know if it is even going to take place. Exactly. um, If it's going to even help me. Because, let's be honest, it's not like it's an extracurricular, uh, extracurricular or a grade, right? You do those things, you get a good grade at school because you enjoy learning, you want to work hard at that, right? Mm-hmm. For extracurricular, you are invested in it, like it's your passion, right? But tests, you take tests solely for the test. There is no other like motivator, there's no beneficial 
external like thing out there. We do it because it's required. Well, yeah. Mostly required, but like, I mean, even if it's not required, we're still going to do it anyway. And of course, College Board and SAT administrators are obviously profiting off of SATs, even though College Board is supposed to be a nonprofit organization. That I can go off on for a very long time, but you know, we're just going to strictly talk about SATs here. Yeah. So of course, College Board administrators and SAT officials are defending the test and insisting that it be continued, because they can make bank off of that. And also the fact that, like, I mean, I understand maybe SATs should be test, op- like, test optional in other years, but I think that this year it really should be test blind, because especially for people, right, we talked about this, people with disabilities, there's a lack of accessibility for them, but there's also people whose tests, like, I mean, like we said, like, we're spending, people are spending time studying for a test that might get canceled the day before, right? Mm-hmm. That's a lot of waste time. And also the fact that if you are a person who is uh, immunosuppressant, right, you don't want to risk your life for a test, right? You shouldn't have to risk your life for a standardized test. Or an SAT Because test. let me tell you, when I went to take the test, yes, there were masks, right? Yeah. But was there six feet social distancing? No. People were way too close to each other. And they were like, oh, far apart, far apart. And there was always a lady, like, there's a lady yelling. Like, obviously she had a mask, but she was, like, yelling. She's like, get in line, everybody. And I just did not think it was a totally safe safe space for someone who's actually very prone to getting sick, right? Exactly. That's risking your life. I mean, also with the SAT content, right? Is it even beneficial? Does it even Does it help do anything? You? Does it, well, we don't know that because even the word test optional is so confusing. Like, yeah. We don't know, as applicants, we don't know anything. And I'm pretty sure, like, a lot of college counselors, right, I guarantee you they probably don't know everything because it's so unsure and very, it's a gray area, I feel. What does it mean? Because yeah. they always say, oh, it won't hurt you or, and it won't, like, if you don't turn it in, it won't hurt you, right? But then what's the point of turning it in? And then they go and say, like, oh, if you turn it in, it'll help you. Well, is it the fact that turning in helps me, then it hurts other people's chances, right? Yeah. So obviously more people are going to try and take it. Yeah. And also the the fact that like SATs, like one score, one day, it's a four-hour test. I mean, we talked about this on our podcast too, right? Yeah. Before in China where they have like a three-day test and it yeah. determines everything. That's so, like, I, I hate, I don't want to do that at all. Like, what if you're just a bad test taker? Well, if you're having a bad day that day. And I feel like, what is the show, right? You already have AP tests. You already have your grades. You already have, like, teacher recommendations, right? College essays. College essays. What does that, what does a standardized test show you that those things don't already? I know they're trying to go for a holistic thing, but I feel like, especially, that's an argument for another day, but I think (laughs) especially in this landscape, I think colleges should be more clear and accommodating to a lot of students yeah exactly like we have to be aware of the situation that's happening right now and try to you know prepare for that but obviously that's not happening also and i think in my english class we read this um article about how grades and standardized testing scores don't have much weight to admissions anymore since the test has been redesigned twice in like 10 years 
and it is extremely unclear whether higher score average is due to smarter students or the different tests. So why bother? I'm exasperated. I mean, the only thing I can think that is going for SAT, and I'm not saying that SAT is a great test either, like a perfect test, is the fact that schools, uh, if you don't take AP tests, right, that's another issue, okay? Mm-hmm. But like your grades, your college essays, right, and say your teacher recommendation, it's so um, relative to your school. Right. Exactly. It depends on what school you go to, what area yeah. you grow up so in. So for standardized tests, it's a lot more, I would say, equal. In quotes. In quotes. I'm going <laughs> to put that in quotes. Because it's one standard for everyone. Whether, But obviously there are some ways that you can boost your score depending on your socioeconomic status. But Whether you cheat or not. <laughs> oh yeah, also whether you cheat or not. Because like... The colleges don't know what's happening in your school. They don't know who's writing your college essay either. Exactly. Right? You you might not be even be like the one writing it and mm-hmm. someone else is doing it. Oh, that might be why... I heard that's also why people use the SAT essays. It's to compare your college yeah. essays and the essay you took that day on the SAT. But what if you cheat on both? Then I don't know what to say. Yeah. I mean, thinking about that, I feel it should... I mean, I don't mind if they take it or not take it, but I think instead of using it as a way to, um, okay, two things. If they want to use it, they should use it in a way that doesn't really bring too much weight into your um, review of your application, but rather just to make sure that all these things are true, right? Mm-hmm. All your grades are good. It's just to show that there's not a stark difference. Like if everything matches up. Yeah, and also... The other thing, last thing, it's just test optional is so weird and unclear. But obviously, what is the... I remember, like, our superintendent said this. Like, what is the least worst option? (laughs) (laughs) It's hard to tell. And I understand, like, everything is fuzzled in the world. But I mean, at least for this, they can try to make it more clear as to what it means and how much weight these scores ha- actually have on our admissions. Because otherwise, you just have everybody panicking at this point. Yeah. Wow, that was a good rant. <laughs> Honestly, I think our takeaway is, like, it's complicated. Well, here's some, here's some more good news instead of infuriating news. Mm-hmm. Cancer Project's Diversifying Genetic Studies received new grants. So this week, the New York Genome Center awarded six research grants in order to examine the role of race and ethnicity in major types of cancer. The projects will focus on a variety of common cancers, such as pancreatic, colorectal, and endometrial cancer in African Americans, lung cancer in Asian American patients, breast and prostate cancer in patients of African ancestry, and the role of ethnicity in bladder cancer. The Genome Center's two-year initiative, Polyethnic 1000, aims to close the knowledge gap that exists due to the research conducted mainly on white patients. Dr. Harold Varmis, a professor at Cornell, will be heading this project. He hopes that the project will expand knowledge on the racial disparities and the prevalence of different types of cancer and how patients respond to different types of methods of cancer treatment. Cancer research has mostly focused on white patient populations, even though different ethnicities actually have higher death rates from cancer. 
This is because the centers that conduct research are based in areas with rich resources with more affluent and white populations. Unfortunately, this leads to a widening gap of knowledge as to how cancer affects other ethnicities, and researchers are unable to completely anticipate how these populations will react and respond to certain drugs and treatments. I just realized that all three of our stories have to do with affluence. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you really picked them. Well, okay then. I honestly didn't even notice. Well... I took a really, well, I really like the story because diversity and variety is obviously good. And it's especially amazing because a lot of Western medicine has been primarily done on white affluent males. And obviously, although research is growing and our knowledge is expanding, it's very limited still. And like also like things like gender for autism, because I think different genders have different types of autism, different response to autism and stuff like that, right? Yeah. I mean, it shows differently. Yeah, 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 yeah. that's what I meant. <laughs> Especially, like, I think, because it was all, because autism studies were always done on males, right? Right. And since you, the traits that, especially on the, I can't speak too much on this because I don't have intense knowledge, but um, there's some certain characteristics uh, certain autistic traits that are more starkly contrasted with what a male uh, stereotype is, right? Yeah. You have loud, outgoing, and, I mean, obviously I'm stereotyping and assuming, but usually um, those character traits are not seen as a stark difference in female stereotypes. Yeah. So it's always a lot later that um, girls with autism have like are diagnosed mm -hmm. i also heard that females tend to mask their traits a lot better than males just so that they can fit into society since you know they do it anyways yeah <laughs> that's another topic that's a different topic for another day and i remember regarding the stance on like uh diversity in the medical field i remember a month ago right, oh, right, right yeah um read on a story uh we talked about a story uh, about um a book called Mind the Gap, made by Malone Bukwende, a UK medical student, uh, in order to raise awareness on symptoms of medical dish, uh, conditions on certain skin uh, tones, right? Mm -hmm. If you're, like, if it's pale, right, how do you tell? If it's, like, a, like, spotty, it shows up different on uh, different skin colors. Mm -hmm. And obviously, like we said, different symptoms, different outcomes, on different skin tones, different ethnicities, right? A lot mm -hmm. of ethnicities have certain genetic traits that are have been passed down based on specific geographical locations you're on, oh, right, which right. is like skin tone, right? Your yeah. skin tone correlates with where your ancestors lived for the longest time. Mm -hmm. And that's passed down genetically. And like also with the coronavirus data showing that the disease disproportionately affects Black and Hispanic Americans in terms of like places and in communities of color and things like that. So I guess this just also brings into light different other diseases and how we can expand our research to understand how it impacts different ethnicities. Yeah. And I guess the research will definitely take time. Yeah. And how important too, right? Like, yeah. I mean, this is also a case of life and death. 
uh-huh. in many cancer treatment situations. Cancer g- treatments, coronavirus, right? Yeah, so really this research I think is extremely essential towards the well-being of basically everybody. So this is a very good step forward. Well, that's all. Uh, that's the three stories we have today. So before we leave you with this episode, we promised we'd have a little Sunday snippet into the past. So today, on September 13th, in 1940, the Lascaux Caves in France um, were discovered with prehistoric wall paintings. That's pretty cool. I mean, I feel like that age was also where like a lot of like the artifacts were discovered. Uh, I guess like going back into archaeology, a lot of things oh, were yeah, discovered. Yeah. Like, Yeah. Well, that's all we have for today. Thank you for tuning in. And have a great Sunday.